Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, God's Covenants. The Bible is structured by a series of covenants, all of which are focused on and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The goal of these covenants is to create and redeem a people in whom God might dwell, so that they will glorify and enjoy Him forever. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. Well, again, good morning. We're going to be looking today at Genesis chapter 22. We're really going to focus on the first 18 verses, and uh, they're going to be up on the screen, but you can open up your Bible along with them just so you can be looking as we work through this very, very important foundational text. It's going to be a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I encourage you to hear it. This is a very encouraging uh, passage of Scripture when we understand what it is teaching us about who God is. So we're going to look again at Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 18. I'm using the New International Version. I uh, pray and encourage you to hear the word of the Lord, your provider. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice them, him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to, to, from, to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, 
I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. When uh, I think of this story and this testing of Abraham, I am reminded in my own life of a story that uh, some of you who've known me for a number of years will recognize and remember. And it's the story of my own call to eventually one day be an elder, a, a pastor among God's flock, to be a teacher of God's word and a shepherd. I received that call when I was a second class midshipman at the Naval Academy. I had suspected I had it even before I came to the academy from shortly after I was a believer. Um, but while I was a second class midshipman, I believed that God had told me I was to get out of the Marine Corps, move back to Annapolis, and I was eventually going to become pastor of this very congregation. It was known at that time as New Covenant Church at Cedar Hill, now Bay Ridge Christian Church, but I was to come back here and do that. However, from the time I believed I heard God speak that to me when I was a second class midshipman, over 12 years passed from 1981 all the way to 1993. And it seemed to me as if the call had failed. And I can remember in a particularly dark time where I was really beginning to think that I must have misheard God. Uh, and I was talking with a friend at work, and I said, what do you do when you've built your entire life around believing God had given a call to you, and now I think I may have been wrong? I gave up a career I loved in the Marine Corps to come back here because I thought I was going to have this call and now I don't think, in fact, that that call was correct. Now, actually, it turned out that was within weeks of God actually fulfilling what he had told me he was going to do. But at that moment, it was quite a test and it was a real test for me to teach me about God's character and to teach me about God's work and his promise and how sometimes it comes to pass in a very different way than what we would have thought. And this is very similar to the test that Abraham is going through. His was much more difficult than mine, of course, the call to sacrifice his son. But we've seen as we've tracked through God's covenants that God had made a promise to Abraham many, many years before that he was going to bless Abraham and he was going to turn him into a multitude. And Abraham has had everything stripped away and it's become apparent that when he didn't think he could have a child, Isaac was born and Isaac was the seed. Ishmael has been sent away, but now this great test is coming. And so the real test that's going on here is how will God keep his covenant promises regarding the seed? So let's dive into our text and look at it. Now, the first thing to understand here is the purpose of the passage. Sometimes we want to make it all about the test that Abraham is going through, and that is important, but it's really secondary. Notice at the beginning, we are told that there is a test. In Genesis 22:1. we're told sometime later, or some translations say after these things, uh, there's a test for Abraham. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Abraham, we read in verse 1. Now, this is the, the things that have gone before, the, the things that were before the sometime later, is that Ishmael is gone. 
it's just Isaac. If God's covenant is going to be fulfilled, it is going to be through Isaac. The promise of a seed must come through Isaac. And so the narrator tells us up front at the beginning of this story that God is testing Abraham. God is not going to have Abraham slay his son. But Abraham doesn't know this. The narrator kind of lets us off the hook. A similar thing happens in the book of Job. Uh, And this is letting us know this text is not about child sacrifice, but about how God's promise is going to be kept. And one of the things that that the writer of Genesis is doing is he's tying together the entire covenant with Abraham. If you remember, God's covenant with Abraham had begun back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. That was the start of the covenant. And here in Genesis 22, we see the final time that that God speaks to Abraham and that the covenant is reaffirmed. There's actually been 35 times that God has spoken to Abraham during this, beginning with Genesis chapter 12 and ending here in Genesis chapter 22. But there's even more than that. There is the same command uh, is, I want you to go to the place I'm going to show you. That's what God told Abraham in Genesis 12. Get up and go to the place I'm going to show you. And in fact, there's a very unusual way that the command is put. And it's only used two times in Scripture. If you notice in Genesis 12, 1, you can see, it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country. That's how the NIV translates it. And in Genesis 22, verse 2, it says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go. The Hebrew uh, behind those two words, leave and go, is actually the same phrase. It is lek leka, which literally means get up and go. I want you to get up and go, uh, Abram. You get up and go. And so it's, it's a very short phrase, but it's actually only used not only these two times in the entire story with Abraham. This is the only times it's used in Genesis. In fact, it's the only times that this uh, specific command is used in all of the Bible. So it's very important. The narrator is letting us know the same basic thing that had begun back in Genesis 12 we're now coming to the other bookend. God is now bringing this to a conclusion. What had started in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, is now being concluded here in Genesis chapter 22. Abraham's faith is being tested, but it's being tested for a specific purpose. The test is to show how God's covenant is fulfilled. It teaches us about the faithfulness of God when it seems like everything is confusing, when all hope seems to be lost, when it seems like the covenant promise is failing, how God is actually going to fulfill the covenant. So we can learn from this along with Abraham. So what is the test that God is giving? Well, the test is actually to sacrifice the promised seed. So notice again in verse 1, we're told sometime later God tested Abraham. Now, it just says sometime later, but it's actually been over 10 years since the the previous chapter. There's been a 10-year lapse of time. Isaac had been weaned. He's now a teenager. And so everything has seemed safe 
for Abraham. It appears that God had fulfilled the promise against all odds. He had given him Isaac. He had kept Isaac. Isaac is now a strapping young lad. And so it seems like everything is good and that God's covenant promise is on track. And then suddenly one day, Abraham hears the voice of God saying, Abraham. And Abraham responds, here I am. But then there is this horrible test of faith. And the test is I want you to sacrifice your beloved son, the promised seed that I had promised you. So notice in verse 2, God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Now, first off, Abraham has got to wonder, how can this be? I mean, Put yourself in Abraham's spot. I know I would be saying this cannot be the voice of God. But Abraham has heard God's voice many, many times. And so he knows it is. And notice how specific God is in this text. He doesn't just say, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. He says, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac whom you love. I mean, God, in essence, this test for Abraham has got to be almost like the knife is digging in. If you're Abraham, by the end of this, you have to be saying, I know, I I understand who it is. I know that it's my son, my only son, Isaac. He's the only one I have. And then to have God say, I want you to take Isaac, whose very name means laughter, the one who is your joy, the one who you love, the one who is your very heart. And this one, uh, I want you to take and I want you to sacrifice him. Notice uh, in this passage, it actually brings out the the word son is used 10 times in the passage. They love to do these kind of literary things in Hebrew. 10 is a number of completion. And so the the challenge of his only son, it comes up 10 times in the chapter to emphasize the point. But it's not just that it's Abraham's son, a son that he loves and his only son. This is the covenant. Everything Abraham had done, at the beginning he had gotten up, he had left his family, he had left his land, he had left everything he had known behind because God had promised him a seed. And now God is saying, I want you to take the seed that I gave you miraculously and I want that seed to die. And if Isaac dies, the entire covenant dies with him and everything that abraham has done throughout his entire life dies with him all that abraham has experienced is gone friends what a confusing test that abraham is facing his entire life seems to hang in the balance how is abraham going to respond to this terrible test and call well if you notice we find out that abraham has a painful obedience to god's call notice that there is first off a prompt and sustained obedience immediately we turn and read in verse three i mean i would be expecting abraham to argue with god he had argued all you know all through genesis 18 about 
what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, but we don't see that. In verse 3, we just read, early the next morning, Abraham gets up and starts doing this. I mean, the text is letting us know there is immediate obedience. He hears, and at the first opportunity, he is up and begins to obey. But notice here, he goes out and there is a three-day journey. It's not even like he comes up and just has one moment of obedience. Abraham has to obey over a three-day period. And you've got to put yourself in the text and understand the entire time Abraham must have been wrestling in his thought, I can't do this. This really can't be what God is telling me to do. This is my son, my only son. I love my son. This is the promised seed. When all hope was lost, God gave me him. God told me to name him laughter. He is the joy of my life. He is the entire covenant. He is the blessing to the nations. Everything hinges on him. How can God say this? And finally, on the third day, Abraham arrives at the place of sacrifice. And he then tells the servant something very, very interesting in verse 5. Notice what Abraham says. He says to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now there's an immediate question at this point in the text. Is Abraham lying? Because the servants don't know what Abraham's been told to do. Isaac doesn't know what Abraham's been told to do. Is Abraham just lying and trying to hide this, and then he'll later on say something terrible happened to Isaac. Or is Abraham speaking in faith? Well, the, it, the ante is kind of upped when you look down in verse 7 and 8, because Isaac, picture this with Abraham, you're trudging up the mountain with your son. Your son's having to carry the wood on his back that you're going to use to sacrifice him. And Isaac suddenly looks up and says, Father, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So again, is Abraham lying to his son? Or is Abraham responding in faith? And friends, the answer is he's responding in faith. And we know this for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's already said it to the people, uh, his servants. Number two, he's repeating it here. But this is actually the key phrase of the entire passage. The passage is ultimately not even about the test. It is about the fact that the Lord will provide. God himself will provide my son. God is going to have to provide here. We have no other hope. And Abraham seems to be responding in faith, saying that God will preserve Isaac, and he's going to preserve the seed even through death. But we have one other greater reason to know. You might say, well, Brett, I'm not sure. Maybe you're being a little bit overzealous in your reading. But the Holy Spirit tells us in the book of Hebrews that Abraham was actually acting in faith. Notice the verses here on your screen. This is in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. By faith. Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. So notice this is in the great faith chapter, and it's specifically by faith. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. 
even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back uh, from death. So notice here, the writer in Hebrews tells us what the test is. It's not just that Abraham is being asked regarding child sacrifice. It is that very specifically, this is the promised seed. This is the heir of the covenant. This is the one whom Abraham had waited his entire life for. And he knows that it is through Isaac that the seed, that the promise, that the blessing, that redemption for humanity is going to come. And yet he's being told that Isaac is going to have to die. And so the writer tells us, Abraham reasoned. This was not blind faith. Abraham reasoned and he said, God told me it's through Isaac. So if Isaac dies, God is going to raise him from the dead. We will go up and whatever happens on that mountain, we will come back down. So the Holy Spirit tells us Abraham was not lying. He was trusting God to keep his covenant promises. Now, this again is not the central message of the passage, which we're going to get to in a minute, but I do want us to see this is a message to you and I. Abraham here is being a good example. There are other times he's not, when he, you know, the whole tell him you're my sister and working with Hagar and all that, Abraham has failed many times. But here he is a shining example for us that no matter what the test, we can trust God. We can lean upon Him. I'm going to read a quote by John Calvin as he was commenting on this passage, and he says this about Abraham. This example is proposed for our imitation. Whenever the Lord gives a command, many things are perpetually occurring to enfeeble our purpose. Means fail. We are destitute of counsel. All avenues seem closed. In such straits, the only remedy against despondency is to leave the event to God in order that he may open a way for us where there is none. That God opens a way where there is no other way. That's what Calvin is saying here. Notice he says, look, for Abraham, it looked like everything had failed. The seed is about to be sacrificed. How can this be? And what Abraham did was he said, I have to trust in God. There is no other way. The only way Isaac got here was by the power and promise of God. The only way Isaac will survive this is by the power and promise and provision of God. I trust in God. And Calvin says we ought to follow in Abraham's footsteps. And so before we move to the central purpose of the passage, I do want to say to every one of us in our congregation, know that God's promises are always tested. They are always tested. But that the Lord can be trusted. He will provide. He will keep his word know that when god tells you something know that when god calls you to something know that when the lord lays something before you to do it will be tested it will look like it's going to die on the altar but we can trust our god and that leads us to the central message of the passage the conclusion both that it's the end of the story and it's the 
point towards which all has been heading, it's the result of all of this, is that the Lord will provide. So notice in verses 9 and 10, we read, When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, I want you to think for a moment. When we read this passage, the three-day journey is covered in fewer words than this brief moment right here. Everything is slowing down. This is like the critical juncture in the movie where everything slows down and you watch the event happening. Notice the incredible detail. They reached the place God told them about. Abraham built an altar. He arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I mean, we get the point, right? We all know what has to happen on a sacrifice. Every step is detailed. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. The writer is doing this. The Holy Spirit is inspiring this because it's as if everything is slowed down. We are at the critical moment. If you ever hear uh, when people say they, they have a near-death experience, they say it's like everything slowed down and their entire life passed in front of their eyes. That's what's going on. The writer wants us to experience it with Abraham. Abraham's son is in grave danger. The entire covenant, Abraham's whole life, the redemption of the world, everything is laying here on the altar. What is going to happen? God has not provided yet but abraham reaches and he takes the knife and he pulls it up and if we were watching this you would have to be gasping and saying what is going to happen and at the moment as abraham is about to bring the knife down in obedience we read in verses 11 and 12 the angel of the lord called out to him from heaven abraham abraham Whenever God speaks a name twice, it's, it's almost always critical and important. And he cries out to Abraham twice, and I love, Abraham again says, here I am. The same thing that this story had begun with, when God said, Abraham, and Abraham had said, here I am, and then this terrible test ensued, now God again calls out, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham looks with the same exact words, here I am. And the angel of the Lord says, do not lay a hand on the boy. The test is over. God says, you fear God. You have trusted God and you have obeyed God. And the conclusion, this is where we drive to where the whole point of the passage is coming home is in verses 13 and 14. Because then we're just told Abraham looks up again. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he goes over and he gets the ram and he sacrifices it instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, notice, it's very interesting. Abraham, again, the Lord is called out and it says, he looked up and he saw. 
The same exact phrase was used in verse 4 where he looked up and he saw the place of sacrifice. He saw where everything was going to die. Well, now he looks up and what he sees is not everything dying, but what's going to take the place of his son? What's going to take the place of his seed? What's going to be there so that his son, his only son, his beloved son, the seed will be spared? Abraham looks up and he sees a ram to be sacrificed. A lamb is going to take the place of his son Isaac. And make no mistake, the central message is the Lord will provide. Now notice that phrase is used three times in this passage. In verse 8 and then twice in verse 14. In verse 8, remember Abraham had, Abraham had spoken back to Isaac and said, God himself will provide the lamb. And then in verse 14, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is so important, it became one of the covenant names of the Lord in the Old Testament where where the word Yahweh or Jehovah has another word attached to it. Um, Yahweh-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. This is one of them where the Lord will provide, or the Lord is my provider. Uh, we sometimes used to call it Jehovah-Jireh. We used to have a song, Jehovah-Jireh, he's my provider. Um, but that idea, Yahweh-Yireh, the Lord will provide. And what's interesting here, and I want you to understand, it's not just that God makes a provision. The, the word provide actually usually is translated to see. You could translate this, the Lord will see or the Lord will be seen. For example, in verse 4, where Abraham looks up and he sees the mountain, that's the word to see is the word yire. Uh, in verse 13, where he sees the lamb, it's the same verb that is translated here as provide. Uh, it's also used by Hagar in Genesis 16, where she says, um, the God who sees me. Now, the reason I bring this up is the best translation here, I think, is to provide. But I want you to understand, God doesn't provide in an offhand way. Friend, when you and I are tested, when it seems as if we are hidden, when it feels like all is lost, everything is confusing, no one sees, no one understands, you need to understand the Lord sees. The Lord provides. There is never a moment you are unseen by your Father. There is never a moment where you escape his notice. There is never a moment where he turns his face away. His gaze is always fixed on you. And for that reason, because he's the God who sees, the God who sees you, he is the Lord who will provide. Now, amazingly, this story had shown us where the seed was in danger of dying. But because Abraham has come through this test and he has realized that the Lord will provide, notice the outcome and the result. The seed is not only saved, the seed is blessed and expanded. Notice the angel of the Lord calls out to Abram from heaven a second time. And this is the last time God speaks to Abram 
in the book of Genesis. This is the 35th time. Five times seven. It is the completion of God's word. And he says this, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Remember at the very beginning in Genesis 12, God had told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation and all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. And he had promised Abram in Genesis 15, count the stars, your seed will be like that. Well, God here now says, I'm reconfirming, I'm taking an oath myself. I swear by myself, Abraham, I have kept my covenant promise. And notice he says, I told you that they would be like the stars in the heavens. I'm telling you now, you can also add to that the sand on the seashore. I told you, Abraham, that I would protect you. I'm telling you through the seed, you're going to possess even the cities that your enemies would hold against you. And I'm telling you, Abraham, before I said through you all nations would be blessed, now I'm telling you the very seed that it seemed like was endangered is going to be the source of blessing to the ends of the earth. Because Abraham trusted God in this test, the blessing grows and the blessing is passed through the very seed that had been threatened with death. Friends, when you and I are in a test, God sees. And if we will hold on, if we will cling to Him in faith, clinging to what He says, He will bless, He will expand His provision, and blessing will go through the very area we were tested. That's what God has done with Abraham, and that's what he do with us, because the Lord will provide. Now, how do we apply this word? There's two questions, and we will close with the prayer together. First, we want to ask ourselves the question, do I know that the Lord will provide? Do I understand this? Do I really know this deep in my soul? Do I understand? Do you understand deep in your guts that the Lord will provide? That is who he is. That's the central message in this text. Notice that the Lord provided a ram so that Isaac was spared. And friends, make no mistake, that ram is a picture of the Lord Jesus. Isaac is not the picture of Jesus. Isaac is a picture of us. The ram is a picture of Jesus. He is sacrificed so that Isaac can be spared, just like Jesus is sacrificed so that you and I can be spared. The Lord goes on in the future, we're going to see where he provides a Passover lamb so that Isaac's descendants can be spared. And once again, that Passover lamb is a type and a picture of the Lord Jesus. As you go through the Old Testament, the Lord provided lambs and rams in the sacrificial system and on the Day of Atonement so that the people of Israel would be spared. The Lord provided a sacrifice so that the people would be spared. And all of those are a picture pointing to the Lord 
Jesus. Furthermore, consider exactly where this has happened. Abraham was told to go to the mountains in Moriah. Mount Moriah is only mentioned one other time in the Old Testament. That's in 2 Chronicles 3.1, where we read, Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. Now, this is the only other mention of Mount Moriah in the Old Testament. And notice, the Lord appeared or was seen by David. He appeared to David or was seen by David, which is the same word to see or provide. This is, again, that word that we usually call yire or, or gyra. Uh, that word is the word that's here. David had seen God on that the Lord had appeared to him just like the Lord had appeared to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 22. And this is where the temple was built. So every one of those lambs that was being sacrificed, every time there was a day of atonement, every one of the daily sacrifices, all of them are looking back to the ram that God had provided so that Isaac would be spared. And they are all looking forward to the true lamb of God, the true Passover lamb, the true sacrifice, the true one who atones for our sins, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the message for you and me. Unlike Abraham, God did not spare his only beloved son, but he freely gave him up for us all. Abraham did not have to go through. God spared his son, his only son, the son he loved. But we are told in the New Testament, God did not do that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son. And that word spare is the same one that's translated withhold in Genesis 22. Paul's using the same verb, and it's not that common a verb, uh, that where God said, you didn't withhold your son. Paul here says, God uh, did not uh, withhold or spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God did not spare his son so that Abraham's son Isaac might be spared. God did not spare Jesus so that you would be spared. God turned his face away from Jesus so that he would never turn his face away from you or me. And Paul says, if he did this, how will he not give us all things? If he has paid that price, we can know he is Yahweh Yireh, the Lord who will provide because he has done so once and for all in Jesus Christ. If Abraham could trust at the end of his journey, friends, we have seen the true lamb who has been sacrificed once and for all. We can entrust ourselves to our father who sees our father who provides. Do we understand that? Let that sink into your soul. Secondly, we need to respond in faith to the Lord's provision. We need to respond in faith to the Lord's provision. I want you to hear me. God sees you. God has made provision for you. God reaches out to you today. I don't care if you are 
on the other side of the world from Annapolis and you somehow stumbled onto this on the internet, I want you to know the Lord sees you and he calls out to you. If you have never done so, cry out and receive his provision today. Don't be as if Abraham in the story said, I'm ignoring the ram in the thicket. I'm going to bring my own sacrifice. God has made provision for your sin. Don't do something else. You cannot remove your sins, friend, except the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. To those who've already done so, I want to encourage you, trust in the Lord. No matter how fearful or confusing the circumstances. I can tell you in, in 42 years now of walking with Jesus, starting back in 1978, I can tell you there have been many confusing times. Uh, there have been entire years where I didn't understand, where I was just trying to cling on to Jesus. But friends, you can trust him. He will never fail. He will never turn from you. He sees you and he will keep his promise. And know when you are being tested, when I am being tested, it's to strengthen our faith and to increase the blessing. Notice the blessing was not lost in this test. It was actually strengthened and increased. When we are tested, it's so that the blessing might be increased and flow through us to others. So I ask you today to consider, where does it seem to you like God's promise is failing? Where does it seem to you, where do I feel like God does not see me? Is there that place where you say, I don't think the Lord sees me? Where is that right now? Let the Holy Spirit speak that to you. And I want to encourage you in the words of our text, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look. God sees. And God has made and will make provision. You can know Yahweh Yireh, the Lord will provide. We're going to conclude with a closing prayer of trust. I encourage you to pray along with me and to reach out to God in faith. And whatever the Holy Spirit brought to your heart and those things I mentioned, that place where you feel like you are not seen, that place where you feel like the provision is not there, I want you to, to reach out to God in faith and receive encouragement and strength as we pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord who provides. When Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, his beloved only son, the seed you had promised, you intervened and stopped him and you provided the ram to be slain so that Isaac might live. And down through the ages, you provided lambs to be slain that your people might live. At Passover, in the daily sacrifices, on the Day of Atonement. But Lord, all of these were only a picture of the true Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away our 
sin. We give you thanks for Jesus who was slain that we might live. We give you thanks that though you spared our life, you did not spare the life of your own son, but freely gave him up (coughs) for us all. We thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We embrace you today as the Lord who provides. When we are tested, strengthen our faith to trust you. When it seems like your promise is dying, give us faith to believe in the resurrection. When your covenant and all we have longed for seems to be laid on the altar, may we cling to you in faith, knowing that your word is true and your covenant never fails. Today we call you Yahweh Yireh, the Lord who provides. We thank you that you have seen us, you know our coming and going, our sitting and our rising, and you have made covenant promises that will never fail. So send us forth full of faith, blessed by you, that we might be a blessing to others. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom you supply all our needs. And God's people say, amen. Friends, I encourage you now to receive the blessing of the Lord. I'm going to speak the words of Aaron's blessing and benediction. I encourage you to receive it and then go forth to be a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Go forth blessed and spread his blessing to others. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.